This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Last week we had a broadcast hangout with John and Abby Flavel who have recently planted River City Church on the east side of Hull and we spoke to them about their experiences of their first year in church planting. And in this episode of the podcast we're bringing you the recording of that broadcast. You can find the full notes on everything that John and Abby had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 72. So here are John and Abby Flavel. Uh, well, we are going to uh, just talk about really the first year of church planting. Uh, and I was thinking a bit about it today and um, I developed a brief theory in my mind that actually the first year obviously being very critical, but you find out a huge amount about yourself, about your church, um, maybe about what the next few years are going to be like in the first year. I know that's true for us. We're kind of going through the first year all over again, and I'm remembering things of what it was like the first time around. Uh, so actually, I, I'm really interested to dig into your first year, how that's worked for you, uh, and how you feel about it. Uh, so I guess perhaps the best place to start would be um, how you felt called to plant, why you felt like you should go where you should. Uh, tell us a little bit about that part of the story. Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, great to see you all, sort of, through the internet. Um, so, uh, yeah, we have, in the last year, planted River City, and the, the journey that got us to this place uh, is kind of in two parts, and I'll try and cover both. Firstly, it was uh, for our sending church as a whole to feel called to, to plant a church in the first place. So uh, we were based in a church called Jubilee Church in Hull, and uh, we had been part of planting that church uh, 10 or so years ago. And uh, what happened was after seven or so years, Steve, the senior leader there, went away on a sabbatical. And when he came back, he, uh, he asked some very honest and good questions uh, to us as uh, leaders around uh, the future of Jubilee and, and where we thought we were going um, and he t- obviously had time to reflect himself and he felt like we should try and plant a church by the time uh, we reached our 10th anniversary. And so uh, we started to talk and pray about that as uh, an eldership team. I was part of that team then. And we asked the church to pray about it as well. And we uh, we had a prayer meeting where we invited people to pray and see if they felt God was saying anything. Uh, about if we did plant a church where we might go Um, and so uh, people shared a few prophetic words on that evening around uh, an uh, an egg with two yolks uh, and a uh, an elastic band on a on a pin that was stretched but not broken Um, and then someone else sent us a a prophetic word about a a bridge with um, two pillars that held up the bridge and that uh, the that made the bridge strong and it meant more people could cross over the bridge uh, effectively into the kingdom of God. And so uh, as elders, we went away and we started to talk about those things and felt like God was indicating that he wanted us not to plant too far away, but to stay relatively close to Jubilee uh, in order to plant uh, a church that would strengthen Jubilee and, uh, and we could work together for the kingdom. And uh, while we were, talking about that and praying about that we looked at uh, areas around the city and uh, and particularly into the east of the city we were based in the city center but we weren't really getting any people from the east um, and we felt like maybe that was the right place to go there was a just a, a big population there and very few churches and uh, the next day we were headed to a, a, a conference all about the nations and about mission um, and I said quite jokingly, maybe tomorrow at this conference, uh, the the speaker will say to to us, east, 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 and we'll know that we're supposed to go to East Hull. Uh, And we went to the conference, 
Um, and in the coffee break in the morning, um, it wasn't the speaker, but actually one of our church members, uh, a lady called Jane, uh, came up to me and said, John, I, I don't know why, but since you asked us to pray about a church plant a couple of months ago, and uh, I just felt like God spoke something really clearly to me, but I haven't been able to share it with you. But I've just felt compelled right now to come and say east, east, east to you. And I don't know what that means, but I just felt like God wanted you to hear it. So I pulled that kind of, you know, oh, that's very interesting kind of face, you know, <laughs> don't want to give it away. But it was clear confirmation for us as a church that East Hull was the place he wanted us to go. And so we uh, we told the church that and we asked people to start to pray and consider whether or not they felt called to be part of that church plan. Um, for us personally, the journey was slightly different. Uh, so obviously I'd been part of that decision-making process and had seen God speak quite clearly to us as a church about planting in East Hull. But I pretty quickly dismissed the idea of me doing that. Um, I didn't uh, feel in any way equipped to lead a church plant. Uh, I didn't feel like I wanted to, really. I was very happy in Jubilee. We'd, uh, I'd been in Hull for quite a long time before Jubilee came and had been praying for a church like Jubilee to come. And so felt that I, a lot of the things I'd asked of God and the, the promises that he'd given me had been fulfilled there. And so just didn't feel any kind of itch or desire to go or any vision for going. Um, and so I just kind of wrote it off. And, uh, and then Abby and I went out for lunch one day and uh, had quite a difficult conversation where she said, so how are we going to, uh, you know, weigh up this thing about planting in East Hull and, and, and how are we going to talk about it? And are we going to drive around East Hull and pray about it and ask God? And, uh, you know, because I think that we should take it seriously. And, and I just kind of said, no, we're not going. Um, and uh, she started to cry. And, uh, and, uh, and basically, to, quite rightly, challenged me about whether or not I was involving the whole family in the decision or whether I was just making it. Uh, an executive decision uh, on behalf of the whole family. Um, and uh, that really kind of challenged me. It shook me a little. Um, and I had to repent of, of, of basically refusing to, to even be willing to listen to what God might want for us. Um, and so we started a process of, of, of praying about East Hull, of driving around East Hull, of looking around um and gradually over the next few months all, all of the reasons that I had not to come God dealt with um, and he dealt with them quite specifically one by one so he dealt with my uh, feelings of inadequacy he dealt with my unwillingness to give up jubilee and um spoke to me a lot about uh Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac and give up things that he loved. And, uh, and he spoke to us both about the vision of the church plant, which was something I didn't feel like I had. And God very clearly gave it to us. Um, so we came to a point, uh, summer uh, 2015, where um, we felt fairly positive about the idea of going but we really wanted some confirmation and we went on holiday to Norfolk. Um, and we, while we were there, went and visited Abbey's old church in Norwich. And, um, so we were just there as tourists, really. We weren't there with to do anything. We were just on holiday, relaxing on the way there. We'd been talking about the church plant again and what, whether or not we felt God was saying anything. And we just, we're very open to maybe God will speak to us while we're here. And we went to uh, the church on a Sunday morning and uh, they had a guest speaker who was speaking all about the call to go on mission. And he spoke about uh, James and John asking Jesus if they could sit on his right and his left and, and how Jesus 
rebukes them in love and says, effectively, you're asking the wrong question because you're asking uh, to, to be in a place of comfort. Um, and Jesus doesn't condemn them for wanting that. He just points out that that's the wrong thing to want. And, um, and so I'm there kind of having gone through this whole process of God softening me to the idea of going and dealing with all of my reasons not to. And, and it just felt, yeah, actually God's done that with me. He's very lovingly and kindly kind of corrected me and rebuked me, but, uh, for not listening. Um, and he's lovingly won me over to the idea of, of church planting. Um, and then he finished his uh, his preach all about mission and going with a quote. And the quote was from probably one of my favourite books of all time, which is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis. And the question comes to Reapy Cheap, how are you going to uh, get to Aslan's country, which is effectively the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven? And Reapy Cheap says, well, I'm going to sail in my boat east and when I can sail east no further, then I'll get out into my coracle and I'll paddle east and I'll paddle east until I can paddle no further. And then I'll get out and I'll swim east until I can swim east no further. And then I'll sink with my nose towards Aslan's country. And that repetition again of east, 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 uh, in that moment, we both just knew the Holy Spirit was saying, uh, you're, you're to go. And, uh, and so we both burst into tears and <laughs> uh, and we spent the rest of our holiday talking about what that could possibly mean for us as a family uh, if we were to go so um it's yeah very interesting it's interesting that uh, that whole journey was started off by uh, someone asking a question is isn't it and uh, which is it's important to talk about that because often when we talk about church planting and the call to church planting um the, the, the importance of someone at the beginning maybe making the big call or, or uh, asking the right question, and then through that you're, you're suddenly open to God speaking. It's just very powerful, isn't it? Uh, Abby, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell us what the, what the big vision is in five, ten years' time? Where, what do you imagine River City Church being? Um, well, part, part of us asking uh, God are you sure this is right you know if if this is right if you're speaking to us about going and um, we need you to give us a vision for it because we just don't think we could ever carry something different to jubilee we couldn't ever imagine um ever ever having anything different to that and so we needed god to speak again and he was just very clear with us so we began to kind of talk about things that we'd felt god saying in that season of weighing up what uh, whether we should go or not um, and I often get very restless with things uh, if I feel like God's speaking. Um, and I, in one night, received three uh, different passages uh, of the Bible from, from God and from other people who brought it to us, um, to me, about water um, and about being streams of living water. And so one of them was Isaiah 55, come all who are thirsty um, and, and come buy wine and milk without money. Um, an invitation for all who are who are looking to be satisfied to come to God. Um, another Ezekiel 47 about the river of God flowing out of the temple. And then uh, Jesus and then the passage in John about Jesus standing up uh, on the la last day of tabernacles where he says, all who are thirsty, come to me. So we uh, were starting to compare notes. And, and then I took those verses to John. I was like, I'd never noticed this. Uh, but the temple, the water out of the temple flows east. And I think God might be speaking to us. Um, and then John had had a prophetic word as he'd been away to South Africa uh, a few weeks before that. And a guy had said to him that uh, he believed the church plant, although we didn't know we were going at the time, the church plant out of Jubilee would be one that would bring streams of living water into the place where it went. Uh, streams of living water in terms of culture, uh, changing the culture uh, of the area that we moved into um, in terms of bringing life, bringing prosperity, bringing uh, culture, the arts, the uh, freedom, bringing all kinds of goodness. Um, and so we began to study those passages and, and we I'd never really realised how often the Bible 
refers to water as being like God's presence. And so you see in the Garden of Eden uh, that the, the Genesis garden is like the first temple and it, it has rivers flowing out around from, from it. And uh, we understand that God's presence dwelt there. And all the way through the Bible, even up to Revelation, um, you've got this metaphor in the Bible of God's presence being like streams of living water. Um, and, it, and it changing uh, changing all of the atmosphere around it, bringing life wherever it went, like a river would do in a desert. And uh, it being about moral purity... Um, it being, uh, and often, so often the, might of the reverse of that metaphor is present as well in the Bible. It shows that uh, dryness or parched lands are immoral places. And so God began to speak to us about the church being like streams of living water arrive, arriving in uh, a dry and thirsty land. Uh, so this place that we've moved into, East Hull, um, it's, quite, uh, it's a working class kind of environment. Um, there are a few churches here, mostly traditional, uh, probably none of them very large, um, and probably very, very few people go to church here um, or have ever really had, uh, maybe have had a church background in the past years ago. And so I think we've arrived here believing that God wants to bring change to this area. He wants to shape culture. He wants us to bring life, but the life will come out of his presence um, and us being the new temple that he fills us. And as we go and interact with other people around us, as we go and set up projects, as we go and set up all, all kinds of things as a church, we will draw people into a relationship with the only one that satisfies, the one who can, who can give them living water. Um, and we, we know that there are lots of thirsty people around here. We've just got to go out and meet them. And so I think five, ten years' time, thriving thriving church but full of the people that live here so uh reaching the working classes reaching uh, the lower middle class um just any anywhere and everywhere we just want to bring life positivity uh, people feel quite downtrodden here i think there's a, there's a mentality of i'm not good enough i can't hope for any better everyone's forgotten us we need to just get on with it on our own very self-reliant and um, a lot of distrust to outsiders or anyone that doesn't have a whole accent or has lived here 40 years. And so we, we've just hit the ground and we want to see people come to know Jesus and, and find life in him. Uh, just very simple. I don't think that we've got like a what will a church look like plan. I think we just want to be obedient to let's go meet some thirsty people and have them, have them satisfied in him. Very good. Very good. Well, I feel like we've got um, in this what you, you guys have been saying, uh, the big picture, I suppose, the, the, the calling, why we're going, the, what we want to achieve. Um, but let, let's get into brass tacks. Let's talk about the first year. Um, and uh, yeah, let's do So I guess the, tell us what your, in it, kind of your biggest success in the first year. As you look back and think, yeah, we did that well, that went well, that's born fruit for us that's been a good thing T tell us what what you think those things are um so i i guess the culmination of our success has happened this week in terms of the biggest thing that's happened for us so uh this last sunday we had our first baptisms um, right. and we saw four people get baptized four new christians all from east hull um who were either new to church or had been away from church for a very long time, but had never really made that commitment to Jesus for themselves. And, um, and it was just a joy to see uh, the fruit of all of the work that our team have done um, in trying to love people in this community, trying to uh, make friends, trying to reach out to people. Um, it, it's kind of, it's peaked at that, at that point for us. And we, uh, you know, we were, uh, we were told, that uh, statistically most church plants don't see anyone saved in the first year. Um, and um, we, we knew we bucked that trend pretty early because our first new Christian came through on week two. But to, to get to four was just, it's just been incredible. Um, and, they, and what I love, I think, is that they've all come different ways. And so uh, the first was a, 
a close friend of Abby's who we had known for quite some years because she was uh, uh, their kids were in the same school as ours and Abby had befriended her on the school run and uh, they'd been to Jubilee a few times on and off um, and they were quite interested in what we were doing and and uh, they were quite sad about us leaving and moving away from where uh, we lived um, and so uh, Kim the lady committed kind of I'm going to come to your new church because I want to see what why you're leaving us and going to the other side of the city um, and then uh, and then there was a couple who uh, who came through leafleting and this was something we saw with um, at the church planting weekend in October with Pete and Nicky Cornford. Pete said, you know, he delivered 10,000 leaflets around his area, which we haven't got anywhere near yet, but, um, and it gave him the opportunity to pray for that area and to really invest in that area in prayer. And, um, and it gave him a love for that area. And so we were inspired by that and came back and said, right, we're leafleting, we're going and we got a load of leaflets and sent our team out to do that, um, mainly with the intention of building our love for the area and getting to know it more than expecting people to come um, on a Sunday because they got a leaflet. But actually, this couple did. Um, and uh, and so they've become Christians through that. Um, and then the last person was a, was a guy who ha- had been known to Jubilee because he'd uh, really gone through quite a difficult period in his life and um, had gone through some homelessness and had just started to get back on his feet and but was living in East Hull and so when we started it was much easier for him to get to us without any money than it was to travel into the city centre and so he started to come to us um, and we uh, we got the privilege of, of kind of serving him of loving him of helping him uh, find some accommodation um, helping him to to try and piece his life back together again. Amazing guy. Um, and so all four of the people we baptised come came from different uh, different places, different backgrounds, um, different situations, and have been reached in different ways by us. But it was just amazing to see that uh, that everything that we've we've done has borne fruit in a way that that none of it's wasted that God kind of honors it and loves it and sees it all um and so I guess our encouragement would be don't dismiss uh you know cast your net as wide as you can don't dismiss the uh, certain means as oh well you you know we won't get anyone through that or that try everything have a go at, at everything because uh, you don't know who's waiting for that leaflet to come through the door who's waiting for uh for that invitation and so that's probably been our our, our biggest success that's a, it's a good answer it's hard to argue with that isn't it very good uh, actually it's true i think and you know, both of the church plants we've done actually in the first year we have not seen um much in the way of salvation at all it takes a, a good year 18 months before that starts kicking in so it's great it's really good news um tell us uh i'll put this question to abby um, what your the biggest challenge of your first year has been like whether in the church plant or just like within family you had the impact of moving and all that sort of stuff what the the biggest challenge has been um I think biggest challenge has probably been just um the emotional cost um of le- of leaving friends uh leaving our beloved jubilee um having to say goodbye to some people we haven't moved far but we know that changes your relationships with them um and it was a big personal cost to us um emotionally moving the children into a a school where we know this this area is not renowned for for good schools it was quite a cost for us to to deliberately choose a a school that had previously been in special measures, it's now out of those. Um, and to choose to get involved there, to choose to hand my children over uh, to a different community and trust that God had them, knowing that he'd spoken about it, um, to walk to walk uh, through streets that are very deprived in lots of ways. So I think my first school run, uh, we walked past a former strip club I walked through the middle of a gang of youths talking about having a knife fight. 
and uh, a very, very drunk man uh, nearly stumbled into my kids. I think they were on their bikes. And it was just a shock, I think, at the time of having moved from quite a nice middle-class area, uh, realising just the difference of life. So emotionally, it's been very up and down. I think personally, John and I have gone through just, you go through self-doubt, you go, you take a whole team with you. It's hard at the beginning. In fact, it's hard most of the time in the first year. Um, and they're all looking to you. They look at you. They want reassurance. They want to know that, that you've got it all together. They want, they want answers. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a privilege and an honour to lead an amazing team of people. But we've had to say we're finding it really hard to. Emotionally, we're up and down. Mm. We're hanging on to Jesus every day. Uh, we are trusting that he spoke very clearly. We know it's tough. We know it feels hard to have left those friends and family. We know it's small at right now. We know we've left a big church environment to come to a small church environment. It's just a massive set of sense of stripping away um, in the first year. So I think the biggest challenge has been keeping, for me personally, it's been keeping myself upright emotionally, not quitting, not backing down, not getting angry with God, not um, not giving in to self-doubt. Uh, I, but it's meant sleepless nights. It's meant battling in prayer. It's meant hanging on to Jesus every day. And it's, and it's been wonderful, but also incredibly difficult. <laughs> we, um, we went to uh, an event in Leeds um, a month or so ago where Andy McCulloch was speaking some of you might know, and uh, he said something that really kind of got a hold of me. He he was talking about being missional, and he said, whenever God calls us into mission, he uh, whenever we step into mission, we confront fear, and uh, and God wants to use that so that we can cut the head off that fear. But you will always find if you are obedient and you go on mission, you will confront fear, and. Uh, and I just realized that um, I was a lot of my heart was still controlled by fear. It was fear that had stopped me wanting to go church planting in the first place, that I'd been afraid I couldn't do it. I was afraid that uh, I didn't have the vision. I was afraid I wasn't the man for the job. And uh, and but but we'd come and I thought I dealt with it. I thought coming was enough and that I'd kind of, you know, and so almost I'd, we'd arrived and I'd gone, right, God, I've done the tough bit. We've left Jubilee. We've moved. We've started this church. Now you, now you do your bit, which is send a load of people and get, build us a nice big church. And I realized, as Andy was speaking, just that I was still really afraid um, that I was uh, – I, I lived in East Hull, but I was hiding myself away from it. I wasn't – trying to connect with the people I wasn't uh brave enough to do that um I I would still travel across Hull to the nice coffee shops that I used to go to uh I would stay in my house uh and work from home I would I wasn't stepping into and confronting the fear of actually God's asked me to love these people and he's asked me to come uh, uh to share that love uh you know, with them. And, uh, and so for me, the challenge has been to, to constantly be going back to him and asking him to, to help me kill that fear, asking him to help me, uh, uh, not allow it to control me, but to, um, to trust him, um, and to, uh, step into the mission he has for me, uh, and for him to give me the bravery, I suppose, and the courage that I need to do that. It's very good. I think God's very kind in that he doesn't tell us how scary it is until we're there. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's at that point, otherwise nobody would go in the event. Yeah. Yeah, we, sorry, if you're considering church planting tonight and you're watching this, it's fine. It's fine. It's That's very good. I'm interested in something you said um, I can't remember which one of you it was, uh, like basically the transition from Jubilee to River City, uh, where it's, um, you're going from a big church with just like you can do so much stuff and staffing and venues and finance and all of that. 
Um, and also just having a big group of people on a Sunday is, it's not a bad thing at all. It's very comforting uh, to go in. And also you can do things pretty well. So, you know, everything's done better when there's more of you um, production wise. And then you go to a smaller, much smaller group. Uh, and you, when a lot of you have kind of your core team, all of you have gone from one thing to another. Uh, how did you help people do that journey? Because it's not a simple journey to do at all. And actually it's probably quite underestimated the impact of that. People get a bit, a bit snobby about it. Well, actually we're, you know, we shouldn't want to go back to the big thing. Actually the big thing has a lot of value and you kind of feel it, don't you, when you miss it. Yeah. So how did you navigate your team through that? Um, well, I think we, uh, we got help, <laughs> which, uh, which you've been talking about, about on broadcast this month, but we, um, so we have uh, a great kind of mentor and coach in Matt Hatch in Leeds. So he has been coming in and helping us as a team to know what to expect, what's going to happen, how to uh, deal with it all. Steve and Dan at Jubilee were, were great in terms of the way that they uh, tried to prepare us as leaders and as a team and their their ongoing support for us in that. Um, but I think, uh, no matter how much we told people it's going to be hard, no matter how much we told people it's there's, there's a real cost, no matter how much we uh, tried, you know, it, it's really hard because when you're, when you're asking people to come, you, you're kind of selling it like it's going to be amazing and it's going to be great and come with us and God's leading us and we're going to do all this stuff. But also consider that it's going to be really tough and it's going to be hard. And I think people don't really kind of, work out for themselves how those things sit together until they're in it. Um, and I think, uh, as you said, with the fear, it's just not real until it's till you're there. Mm. And so for most of our team, they probably had expectations or thoughts of what it would be like, and it probably hasn't uh, fitted for any of them. They've, they've all responded probably in a way that they weren't expecting to, to the journey that we've all been on. And I think what we've had to do, what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a, a culture in the church where we're, we're vulnerable with one another about how we are feeling about it. And so when people have found it really tough, we've wanted them to be free to express that and not feel like they're, uh, they're, they're doubting God or the call of God or the mission that we're on or any of those things. It's just hard sometimes and so um so we've done that publicly we've you know when we've preached or led on Sundays we've you know we've often talked about how we as leaders are feeling the cost and how difficult it still is for us in order to give our team permission to talk about those things as well um we've uh, tried to make sure that our door is always open if, if people want to talk about how they're feeling about how things are going um, we're trying very hard to make sure that we're loving one another and supporting one another in that as well. Um, whilst also trying to, uh, trying to help people not to fall into cynicism or grumbling or complaining or disillusionment. Cause those things are, you know, those are the places the enemy wants to lead us into. Um, when we have those negative feelings and we're trying to say the feelings aren't wrong. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel like it's tough. It's okay to struggle. Um, but we need to take those things back to God. We need to take them to him. We need to receive healing if that's necessary. We need to be able to give those things to him and trust him. We need to encourage one another as much as we can so that we are helping one another through those difficult patches. Very good. Very good. I'm aware we're now cutting into the Q&A, but I'm going to ask one more question. Because I'm expecting some stinkers from some of our team. So yeah, yeah. Less the better. Um, so uh, the very briefly, what are you going to do next? What's the next thing? What are you excited about? Um, so we are about to launch um, sort of our midweek groups. So um, John was amazing in that. I'm not really a details person. I'm kind of bigger vision, uh, you know, like some strategy and the prophetic and here's where we're going and stuff. But I, I'm not really the details. John went away and worked out kind of what do we want our midweek groups to be focusing on? 
Um, how do we do both mission and discipleship really well? So how are we, still, how are we reaching non-Christians um, and how are we uh, taking our people, shaping them, molding them, taking the, making sure their relationship with God is the best that it can be because out of that place will flow everything else. How do we do those things together um, without one of them becoming overemphasized and taking away from the other? Um, and so we did a lot of, re- uh, John did a lot of reading. We did, uh, we talked about it. We, John's gone away and written some great material about uh, finding a rhythm within our midweek group so that we can both focus on mission and discipleship within one night a week. But throughout the month, each that we have a rhythm of on this on this night of the week and um, the same night a week each time. But on this on the first and third uh, nights, you'll be in your mission teams, thinking of mission, doing socials, bringing non-Christians in. Uh, on on the second one, we're doing a prayer meeting. Uh, on the third one, you're meeting as a discipleship huddle, smaller group. Um, and so we're going to trial. Uh, some that basically and see how it works uh, we'll probably take take the church through it for six to nine months see how we get on uh, iron out the problems as we go uh, and see if we can do both well and go to the right depth with each um, we'll see if it's possible uh, I like the beauty of church planting because you are a smaller entity smaller ship smaller rudder very flexible so we're quite happy to make some mistakes and and revise things as we go now first question is a quick one what ages are your children uh, we have two sons Noah is seven and Judah is four ah, okay and they were presumably then three and six when you moved yeah around then okay that's helpful thank you um right the first kind of main thing people are asking about is basically transitioning from being part of a leadership a bigger leadership to a smaller one so let's just read these in a big church leadership is shared as a church planter you're often the only leader have you found it lonely um hold on and the second question on that topic was (laughs) what's your biggest challenge in transitioning from being part of a leadership team to being the sole leaders so can you just talk to us a little bit about that thanks uh yeah so um I think we, I mean, we, we are blessed with an incredible team. They're all amazing. Um, and so we have a, a ton of leaders within that team, and that has made it uh, far easier uh, than it could have been. Mm. Um, and so we don't underestimate that blessing, and we know that that's not the case for everyone. Um, but certainly uh, God has been really good in, in sending us some great people. And so we, uh, we have found it very easy to share the load with them and to uh, trust them to carry it well mm. with us yeah, and so uh, that's not been uh, too difficult um i think however there absolutely there is loneliness there is a a great deal of loneliness um at points because you do you are very aware uh of your isolation and and there are um there are just things that you've got to do that mean that you end up feeling that cost more so for example i was working full time for jubilee um and so i've I benefited from uh, uh from that leadership being present kind of every day in my in my life that the the other two elders and other leaders in the church were around the church were available and so if i had a question or i needed to talk about something or i was struggling there was someone there all the time, pretty much. Uh, now I'm bivocational, so I've got another job three days a week. We're trying to, I'm trying to fit church leadership in around that. Um, and when I'm doing work stuff uh, for church, Abby might well be out taking the kids to school or coming back or uh, at a club with them or seeing somebody in the church. And so there's just that void of, Actually, I don't, and I simply don't have the time uh, a lot uh, to to call up the guys from Jubilee or to go and see them or whatever. And so um, those sorts of 
choices you have to make when you're in a smaller church that can't employ somebody that can't sustain a team like that um do, do make you feel the cost and so um we've had to make sure that uh that we as a couple are are um providing that support to each other much more intentionally talking about everything how we're feeling how we're doing praying for each other and, and this whole process this whole transition has transformed our marriage in a lot of ways in terms of how we've done that because I was part of an eldership team of men and would often process that stuff with them um, and now I have the privilege of doing that with Abby and, and that has uh, just been so good for us together uh, it's given her an insight into uh, my life as, a, as uh, a leader in the church but also uh, drawn out the leadership in her and that's been amazing to see um, and then I, it's important that you just have others outside of your situation who you can go to as well. I mean, we, like I said, we're honest with our team. We talk with them and they're amazing at lifting us up and supporting us. Mm. Um, but we have friends uh, in other churches, in other church plants, um, and they're feeling it too. And so Abby was speaking to a friend. They've gone uh, internationally to plant a church and uh and they and they were talking on skype and just both of them talking about the loneliness of it and how difficult it was um and so abby's like well why don't i come and visit you and we can be lonely together <laughs> and so abby's heading out there this weekend to see them um because there is that sense of understanding that empathy for one another that they understand each other and therefore they can encourage one another. And so I just say build a network that's broader and bigger than just yeah. within your own team or even within your own city. But go to the church planting weekend, get on broadcast, get in a masterclass, yeah. all that stuff. It's all it's, we're doing it all because we knew, even when, when we started, we knew we need all the help we can get. We need it. We are just going to be unashamed in kind of taking from people everything that they're willing to offer us in terms of support and doing that has provided us with a, a net beneath us that has really helped in times of when we're lonely or when we're struggling or when it's hard. Phenomenal answer. Um, I love in the plug for the weekend. Of course, we're doing that again this October. If people want to get the details, they're on the website and book in. Um, and obviously you're right. That was something that's come up on broadcast recently, uh, just this week, in fact. Tim's been talking about the importance of drawing on friendship. Mm. So um, there's a real appreciation out there for your honesty. So um, I just want to make that known. People are, are commenting on that and your vulnerability. So um, there's a question then. Um, in You talked about fear. I don't know if there's any more to add on kind of what you said about facing fear. And just obviously you guys are sharing very honestly here. Um, what practical things? Was there any other practical things someone's asking that you did to deal with the fears? Um, well, I think, uh, you, you've got to voice it for a start, <laughs> um, and uh, kind of confess it, you know, uh, in order to allow God to, to help you deal with it. Um, and so if you've not taken that practical step of going and talking to someone, um, that you trust, that you feel that you can be honest with, then that's, that's essential. That first point, um, and, and praying that through with them and staying accountable then uh, as you move forward. I think um, we've, uh, we've learned a benefit of, of, of discipline, spiritual discipline, but in the broadest sense. And so for me, um, a simple practical response to being afraid of, uh, of going out was to, to go out. And so at least once a week, go for a walk just in the local area, go and sit in a, in a, you know, a greasy spoon or a local cafe and, um, and talk to someone or uh, try and engage with someone. Um, because I can do that. I, I you know, I, I felt actually I could, that could be the first step for me. Um, and I think it's, it's about taking uh, small steps that you feel you have the capacity to take um so that uh that show the holy spirit that you're wanting to change 
And as you do that, he changes you. And so I go to a, a, a cafe down the road, I sit there, um, I get chatting or, uh, for example, God was very kind. We, we went on Saturday to take our kids for a haircut and we're in a local uh, hairdressers and uh, a guy comes in on this Saturday morning and sits next to me and it's the lifeguard at the swimming pool that I go to during the week. And so we kind of have this awkward, we recognise each other. But, you he's know, usually half naked. Yeah, I'm normally in swimming trunks and he's <laughs> sat at the side of the pool. Awkward. So it's a bit weird, but um, but we've got something in common. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I think this is probably God ordained. And so I'll step into the fear and, I'll, and I, I can do this. I can talk to him. Um, and so I just start a conversation uh, and it goes incredibly well. And I think God is very gracious in that as we show that we're willing to confront our fear or our shame or, or any of those things, as we show him we're serious about allowing him to change us and deal with them, he, uh, he helps us and he guides us and he shows us that actually those things aren't anywhere near as bad as we probably thought they would be. Mm. And so actually I have very little reason to be afraid of the things I was afraid of. And he's showing me that, that actually it's, uh, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that gives me faith and confidence for the next step and the next step. Uh, just coming in on that as well, I think it's, you have to realise that each of our fears look different um, and we have to deal with them differently. Um, so I'm not afraid to talk to people. I'm very extroverted. I love gathering people. Um, but that might fill John with dread. And it was it was working out between us what we had permission to do. I want to invite all the homeless to come and live with us. We had to work out, is that, is that okay um, with our kids living here? And uh, so we, we're working out, uh, we, we're having honest conversations about why we're afraid of stuff. And we're we heard something a while ago that said, often uh, fear masquerades itself as wisdom. And so you try to find a, a wise reason why you shouldn't do something. And it sounds very wise, but underneath it is fear. And so we, we continue to try and have conversations around that. Um, and probably the biggest and biggest thing you do, I have found with fear is running to Jesus, knowing him really well. If my relationship with him, if I'm looking to people uh, to meet my need, I've missed it. Um, I'm far more afraid if I'm running to God and he's my source and I'm drinking from him and I'm loving him, I, I find that that fear doesn't rear up as much. Uh, and when it does, I feel like, no, I'm, I'm loved and, I'm, and, and my father's got this and he wants to show himself to this person. So all I've got to do is just say it and see what he does um, and, and not feel the responsibility is on me to do anything special but just to open my mouth and talk about being a Christian and, oh, I noticed you're limping. Would you like me to pray for you? Uh, you know, like sometimes that's gone super awkwardly and sometimes I've seen people healed and it's been, so I think risk, uh, take some risks, uh, ongoing risks. And I think that again, the f do it before the fear gets in almost uh, quick risks is, has been helpful. Um, phenomenal answer to that. I really hope that's well. It's been incredibly challenging, but I hope that's been helpful for those of you that are asking about that. Say, we're, we're both still afraid. All of us are afraid. <laughs> it's okay, but just keep doing it anyway. Yeah, very honest. Um, I'm conscious of time. I want to um, kind of heart, kind of go quickly through some of these because um, there's still a few to go through, and I want to make sure that we at least touch on some of these. Um, I think it's been very important to give time to that. A um, couple of questions regarding the, the church that you were part of, Jubilee Church, and the kind of sending thing, uh, being so close to your parent church, but not being a, a gathering, but a separate church. How have, have you found this all strange? How have you distinguished yourself as a separate church is one. And, and also somebody's asked about how you manage the relationship or how, how that's changed over the year as it's gone on. So if you can just give us some just comments on that, be helpful. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so uh well wonderfully god gave us a very clear vision for the church plant um which which was quite different to jubilee's vision and so um that led us uh, on that path i think 
we'd uh, we are friends with people who are in multi-site churches and churches. Um, there are churches in this city that have planted multiple congregations but remained one church, and uh, and we've just seen that over time those gatherings develop a vision and a heart for the area that they are in uh, to the point where effectively they are separate churches they just have it's it's almost like they they have a name that says that they're all the same but in all practical terms and in terms of vision and 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 heart for where they're at uh, they're they're different Um, and so we thought let's call a spade a spade and say uh, we're not going to try and keep something together um, unnecessarily what we want to do is we want to be what God has promised which is those two pillars of a of a bridge so we are two separate churches we have our own vision our own uh way of working and what uh, and and achieving what god has called us to do but we know that when we do that together we are far more effective at bringing people into the kingdom and so our vision is that uh, we will have two great churches in Hull that love one another that send people to each other um, you know, so we can say if someone comes to us and says, actually, you're not quite my kind of thing, we can go, great. There's another fantastic church down the road called Jubilee. Go and try them and vice versa. Working that out in the first year has been quite difficult because uh, because of our proximity. And so a lot of the things that might happen when you're church planting into a different town or a different city in terms of um, of, of kind of knowing actually we're not going to see people anymore we're you know there's going to be that natural break there's going to be that obvious kind of separation and and I think in some ways that makes it easier that's not been there for us and so you know we had our leaving service and then uh, I went to McDonald's on the way home and bumped into two people who were from Jubilee in the McDonald's and it's weird because you're like we've just said goodbye but hi again hi again and <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's been a little bit uh, strange for people it's kind of uh, how do we maintain friendships with people that are in Jubilee that didn't come with us? Are we allowed to do that? How do we do that? And that's been quite difficult. Um, and and how do we relate as leaders back to the leadership of Jubilee? Um, what is their relationship with us? Um, you know, they uh, there are very close connections still in some ways legally. We're still part of the same thing. We've not set up as a separate charity yet or any of that. I'm still employed by them part-time and all that sort of stuff. So um, it has not been simple um, and we wouldn't, it was not a clean break and, um, and we have uh, had to maintain good communication. That has just been key. Which Um, we haven't always got right. Yeah. So, (laughs) but when we don't get it right, we clearly communicate to each other that we've (laughs) not got it right. Um, So we just, we, we talking, to the leaders at Jubilee, they're talking to us. We're we're talking about some of the discomforts we have, some of the things that are going well for both of us, some of the things that aren't. We tried a joint prayer meeting and it it didn't go brilliantly, but we were able to honestly talk about why that was, how we could change that in the future, how we want things to run. I think it was just, it was a very emotional occasion. It was strange kind of yeah. all meeting up with people from the church we've left and not really knowing kind of how much to assert on your identity and how much to try and uh, go back to how we were and all those sorts of things. So it's by no means simple, um, but you've just got to keep talking about it uh, with your team, talking about it with the sending church. Um, And we know that they love us and we love them and that love will, will get us through these complications and the sticky bits Mm. uh, to that place where we believe God wants us to be. Just briefly, I think we had to be quite honest about managing our grief as well. For a while, we wanted to distance ourselves because it was actually just really painful hearing about Jubilee and how they were getting on. They're doing amazing. Yay. And uh, we're not there. And it was just really hard uh, to, to, to not be there for the first Christmas, to not be there for their 10 year anniversary, Uh, painful stuff. And, um, we've had to give try and get the team to to permission to to voice their grief and and walk that out together as a as a family um phenomenal 
really, really helpful. Um, to question a quick one, how many core people from Jubilee went with you then in light of everything you shared? No, we took, um, I think, about 25 adults. Jubilee were absolutely incredibly generous and they, and they gave us permission to ask just about anyone we wanted. Um, they were very, very sacrificial in the way that they allowed us uh, to take, you know, to go and ask people um, and just very, they gave us some amazing people and it was a huge cost to them, I know. And um, uh, yeah, so I think it was about 25 adults and various children. So I think we think we had about 30 um, just over 30 when we started. Yeah, fantastic. I'm just conscious of time. We've got a couple more minutes. Um, a brief one on uh, and how, how your kids have coped, someone's asking, with moving to the smaller church. Um, Church-wise, they love it. I mean, they uh, church day is their favourite day of the week. Yeah. Um, they're constantly counting down to it. Um, what has really helped is that we have uh, friends on the team who have kids the same sort of age. And so there's this little group of them um, and they're all in it together and they, and they have, they have bonded in, in a beautiful way. It's beautiful to see. Um, and so they love church. They love calling it our church. They have a real sense of ownership of it. They're really excited about it. They talk to their friends at school about it all the time. Um, so that's amazing. Um, in the early days, moving house was hard uh, they loved our old house uh, we've moved into a much bigger house to facilitate the church plan but it's not a house that we love I mean it's not uh, it, it, our last house was far closer to what we dreamed we would always live in than this and they found that hard they've not settled uh, as easily because of that um, the school uh, is more challenging for them um, and the, and the behaviour of the kids in the school has been something that they've had to adapt to and they've not made friends as easily, as readily as they did in their last school. Um, and that's been difficult, but it is changing. Um, so we were so excited when they got their first birthday party invite because um, they, they were just sad that they hadn't been making friends as easily. Mm -hmm. Judah, our youngest, was like, I want to have a friend like Freddie, who was his best friend, in his last school and we were grieving <laughs> with him the loss of that really close friendship and uh, so the first time he got a party invite first time he started to talk about uh, a kid in his class who he's friends with was a really joyous occasion for us and mm. so it, it's been hard for them um but uh I guess the bits that have been hard you uh, are the bits that would be hard about moving a family anywhere at any time the church planting bit of it has been really good for them and really good for us as a family and they've loved us talking about being on mission together as a family with them oh superb um superb answer um i i, I i'm going to leave some of the other questions because the quality of what you've shared tonight is phenomenal um honestly your vulnerability your willingness just to be this is us and um i'm sure benefit many people that watch this um i want to end with um before i kind of wrap up and give the next date um if you have 30 seconds a minute to someone says i'm interested in church planting what would you say <laughs> uh, that's probably best answered by Abby because I wasn't interested in church planting <laughs> when this whole process started have an honest conversation with your other half um, I think ask God about it give, ask him to give you the faith for it ask him to speak prophetically about it because we know it's not our idea and therefore we know if it's his idea that's great because we're not selling anything of our own um, and if it's his idea for you to go, it won't fail. And, I, you know, there, there are ways that it could fail. There are things that won't go well. There will be ups and downs. But if he said go, then he's got a plan and a purpose for the people that you're about to go and reach. And I think we, we've got to follow with Jesus and say quietly radical yeses every day. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that John and Abby had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 72. See you next time.